From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 207, and today I'm joined by director Emma Jean Sutherland. Emma's directed episodes of The Pony Sitters Club, as well as Donors, and a handful of made-for-TV movies, After the Storm, and Letters to Satan Claus. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down via isolation to watch Scarface. I'm Jeremy. I have seen this film, but not in a very long time. And joining me today is... Uh, I'm Emma Jean Sutherland, and uh, I have never seen Scarface. And why is that? You know what? I think that I had like really disliked uh, college university bros and anything uh, with a poster on their wall. I was like, I just couldn't fathom. Yeah. As soon as you mentioned college and Scarface, because that is like when, back in the day when you'd walk through the hallways and they had the poster sales, it was literally every fifth poster was a Scarface poster. It was Scarface, Bob Marley, and like maybe Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko was in there. There was uh, a lot of Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was all bro stuff. Now that I think about it, it was so bro-y. And there's a lot of Tarantino stuff too. Oh my God, so much Tarantino stuff. And like anytime you try and have um, a critical conversation about film with any of these dude bros, there's not, there's not actually a conversation to be had, especially with Tarantino, but I assume with Scarface also. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. It's too bad. And, and here's the funny thing is like, I watched it probably in college uh, and I haven't seen it since. So it's been, oh God you know, 15, 15 to 20 years since I've watched Scarface. So I'm almost coming to it fresh. I know a couple, I remember a couple of like the big iconic moments, but other than that, uh, I, I don't remember like specific details on it. What, so what do you know about Scarface? I feel like it's so pervasive in pop culture that I know that it involves a lot of cocaine, which... <laughs> Surprises me that I hadn't seen it because I used to do a lot of cocaine. Um, and I know that he says, say hello to my little friend. I assume he's a drug cartelly kind of guy. Um, I don't, his name might be Scarface. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's often jokes about his face being covered in cocaine um, linked to powdered donuts, but I assume it's actual drugs. Um my understanding too is that it is like a very much a film of its time um, and that it is like a lot about kind of like occidentalism and, you know, 
lost it. Word fart? Word fart. (laughs) Um, You know, it's about this like excess um, and opulence. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it, uh, I mean, this is Brian De Palma. I'm trying to think what year it came out. It's got to be 80s, right? I would assume in the 80s. It feels so 80s to me just from the time frame. But it's also, you know, you know who plays Scarface, right? Clearly, obviously. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh, What what year? 83. There we go. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of 80s movies recently because I feel like I have a film coming up in the fall I'm shooting that's in the set in the 80s. So trying to make that aesthetic not cringe um, has been a goal. So I'm excited to add this to the (laughs) repertoire. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it, it's such a, I, I think like doing something like that, there's always, there's so many tropes you can hit. So, the, so I guess the trick is depending on, on the tone of the movie is how, how you do a love letter to 80s without just making fun of the 80s because it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like about, for me, it's like the story has to reign supreme and anything that's going to take away from that is not helpful like it's not a love letter to the 80s it just happened at that time it's like a true story quote-unquote true story uh so i think it's more interesting because it takes place at a radio station so tech is a great way to do it without being over the top oh and music obviously yeah music with, with it, but i mean that's the kind of thing though with a movie is that you could blow your music your budget like so fast in 80s music I think so. But my hope is that it's niche enough because it's all like uh, Christian church evangelical stuff. So I'm hoping that I can like, I'm trying to reach out to the band Striper. Have you, they were like an eighties metal band. Metal Christian brand? Metal Christian band called Striper. And they would have posters that would say like, no, six, six, six. And they're like very hair metal-y. I'm really hoping that I can get them. I'm I'm gonna go on a limb and and say that that's probably prob- a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm also listening to a lot of like '80s evangelical Christian music to see if there's anything useful that probably will not be that expensive. I would hope. So your research right now is is movies like Scarface and evangelical Christian rock. Yeah, well, and like Poltergeist and. Um, what did we watch the other night? I watched Step the Stepfather the other night, which is one of my favorite underrated 80s movies. Like I like turns out I like a lot of 80s horror. That was kind of the the real heyday of of like horror coming into its own, was it not? Like that's I remember my cousins, my older cousins being really into you know, all the slasher movies. That's and, when and slashers were really big and still incredibly novel. I think that's why the they have those kind of legacies from that era, right? Like Freddie and Jason and Myers, like those, you can't really recreate that. It doesn't happen very often anyway. And it was, but it was also like the boom of rental cinema, right? So you have all these production companies popping up and like literally creating box art and then just giving people money to create a film that could fit inside of it. Yeah. You know, so just like really cheap, fast. It, it was it was a real like new wave of and, and horror was easy because you could get away with, you know, you didn't need stars. You just needed, you know, you, you just needed to hit the tropes. Right. You needed like mm-hmm. blood, boobs, um, drugs, you know, kids making bad decisions. Oh, yeah. There's and there's 
so many of them that it's nice to watch. Like I can watch maybe five in a day or something. And like one of them will be so good. And you're like, how did you get to be so good? Like, yeah. Because the expectations, the expectations were not that high. Mm-hmm. I think like one of my references for the next film is uh, the cinematography from uh, Halloween two, because it was almost all done on Dolly. It was actually really beautiful the way that they worked through that kind of um, hospital. Like, I think that there were some, love given to films at that time too. oh 100 percent. even the, the, the cinematography in the first halloween is really really great mm-hmm. yeah that's fantastic i'm such a, a dolly nut like i just can't help it that's probably why i married a dolly grip oh that's cute <laughs> well i think we're we're in a good place should we just should we dive in then so what, i guess what are your expectations for scarface i feel like um it's going to be over the top for me. Like it's going to be like, I think the performances are going to be too, uh, too much. I think, um, I think I'm going to feel the length of it. Like, I think it's going to feel long. Um, and I think that I'm going to make a bunch of connections to pop culture that I really like or quotes that I've used, but didn't realize the source material. Yeah, there's going to be a few episodes of The Simpsons that make more sense to you, that's for sure. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's dive in. Okay. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we're back and both lamenting how it's it's far past our bedtimes. By like a large margin, I think. Yeah, this this is a long movie to watch at night. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not always the fastest pace. Like it felt, it didn't, it felt long. <laughs> yeah. Even by, I mean, it's funny. Cause I, uh, I, I don't mind a long movie at all. If it's appropriately yeah. paced and there's enough story to warrant it where this one, it's just, I mean, it's about excess and it's at excess in every single way it's yeah. like like the movie is excessive in a way that is and, and, it's, and it's like and it's grotesque excess is what it's about but it's like it's almost like i don't even, i don't even know if they're if, if the filmmakers are aware of, of how much that translates into the actual film itself in terms of like running time and, and whatnot well, I also think about it from like the logistics standpoint where you're like, okay, well, we've made all of these things and all of these squibs are built into all of the gold staircase. Like we're, sh- we're shooting it and then we're going to use it, you know, like there's no killing of darlings in this because it's every single scene seemed so expensive from the top down, you know, <laughs> like all that BG, some of which this movie had some of the worst BG I've seen in a long time. Oh, yeah, I think very early on at the first like riot in the freedom thing, there's a guy <laughs> two by four, just like so confused, very <laughs> early in the frame. But because they're doing such long takes, I'm sure it was like the best he'd done. I don't know. Um, and uh, most of the party seems seemed like parties that my husband walked in at one of the parties is like, that's a party I don't want to go to. I can't <laughs> agree. You know, like it didn't seem like a fun disco <laughs> or I don't know. 
Maybe that's a nitpicky like left hangover from when I was an AD for a long time. Yeah. That's definitely an AD. Something an AD notices is the background and how well they're doing. Yeah. Sometimes it's atrocious. And there were a few in this movie that were pretty bad. You should almost um, do a super cut of like your favorite bad background in movies. <laughs> I, oh, oh dear. I'm sure that that already exists. There's got to be. On YouTube, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, so what, yeah. what, did you, what did you think overall? Um, overall, I would say that, um, you know, it was once it, once it got going and I understood kind of the like premise of the story that he's like coming there with nothing and he's like, I'm going to be everything. And I was like, oh, okay. So he is going to lose everything too, right? Yeah. This is the guy I can root for. but that's why it's always so i guess this confusion that i have where why is he on all of these posters and dude bros college dorm rooms like i just because they don't get it they don't get the lesson of the movie which is that you so obnoxious for the second half of the film as soon as he starts uh using his own supply there's no redeemable qualities you know like it all goes well, just that moment. I mean, it, it's all, it all sums up in that moment at the end where he just like literally like just drops his head into the giant pile of Coke. Yeah. He just looks back and, you know, it's on his nose, which is the, I think the, the, the reference you were talking about earlier. Powdered donuts. Yeah. Powdered donuts where he just like literally just like dips, like drops his head down, snorts and comes back up. Yeah. And however much went inside of him. Yeah, there's a moment where it looks like he's ha- about to have a heart attack at the end. And I was like, I almost, part of me almost wishes that that's how it went down, is that all of these people had shown up to kill him and he just killed, accidentally killed himself on this, like, overdoing it on cocaine in this lavish place, you know, with nobody. That would have been a, a, a more honest, realistic ending. That's not what they were going for in this movie. <laughs> no, no. And I think in some ways that final fight was some of my favorite stuff in the film. Actually, no. My favorite thing is the chainsaw off the top. It is so beautifully done. You don't see a single cut of the chainsaw going through anybody. Um, it's entirely done from uh, Splatter and his reaction, which is maybe the strongest piece of performance that he has in the whole film as well. Um, just excellent. Yeah, and that great shot when it's just like he's, he's on the other side of the curtain and it's just splashing up against that curtain. Oh, so good. So good. Um, and the tension that they build um, through his buddy just like not paying attention at all was also it was the the cuts back and forth great so solid um what else did i I quite like i liked when he um made uh his first boss grovel you know and then didn't even give them dignity of killing him like that you but you can only give me so many of these like this is the kind of guy he is <laughs> before I'm like, okay, I get it. He's that kind of guy, you know, like that is great. It was a beautiful character moment. It like shows that he's dethroned the King, like he's moving forward. I get it. But then there was a lot more movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
so much more movie. And it's, and that montage like of him just his rise to power and marrying uh, El- El- Elvira. What, yeah. a great, what a great name Michelle Pfeiffer has. She looks stunning. This might be the best she looks in any film. Like I can't, I'd have to look at some comparisons, but like even when she, and she does have a bit of a descent in her look, not as much as he does, um, but um, gorgeous on cocaine and not. Yeah. Well, she just has that one great moment where she's in after they're married and it's just like pushing in on her and she's clearly fucked up. Yeah. You know, but, uh, but just this like vacant look of just almost like, what the fuck did I do? What, what, what did I get myself into? Why, where am I? Uh, yeah. That's really, really, really great. Um, I had a really hard time with, so, so Tony kills his former boss and then he just shows up at her house where she's sleeping in her bed to wake her up, to be like, you're mine now. Um, that was so weird to me. This idea that he's been hitting on her this whole time and she's been like, please stop. Uh, I don't fuck the help. Please stop. Um, and then like, it just felt very sudden to me that he was like, I'm here now. Pack your bags. We're, yeah, we're go getting married. Yeah. Well, that's, well, I mean, let's, Let's call it what it is. This film is, is is not nothing if it's not if it's not misogynistic, you know. Yeah. Um, he he's got there's that stuff going on, you know. There's the the homophobic slurs off the top of the movie when he's in customs and yeah, and they're questioning him. But uh, but that whole that whole ownership thing, like there's the great moment she has uh, in the car. They do that great vertigo shot where he jumped like literally pounces on her and she's and that's when she's like no i don't fuck the help yeah but but and and it's you know it's her standing up for herself in a way that it's like you will not sexualize me but then as soon as he's in the power position i guess go ahead and sexualize me yeah i mean what you know what other choices you really have at that point like if your skill set is like i put up with despicable men um, <laughs> that's a great way of putting it that's her skill set you know well like everybody has their price or choices or whatever like i can't imagine that's an easy life for somebody um you know it might seem easy but as as you can see no matter how much stuff tony has it doesn't really matter either right um doesn't his life doesn't get any easier the more things or the more money or the more status nothing you know but i can't imagine it was a very easy life to be that kind of like a person who is a possession um and again because this is about like this overindulgence and extravagance like women are obviously objects in it including his own family which is super weird oh we'll Um, get into the sister stuff but uh that's that's a whole other i mean we can get into it now. The, the I whole not anything about that at all, right? Because I had never seen the film. I had no idea. At, earlier on in the film, I felt like the sister um, and and his best friend, like all of that storyline, I was like, this seems like a waste of time because it was already feeling like a long movie um, until I realized that she obviously became quite important near the end. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, clearly there's, that's not an Oedipal. Is it Oedipal when it's your own sister? 
No, I don't think I don't know what the name for that is. Anyway, you know what I mean. It's like clearly yeah. there's an incestuous thing going on between not not and it's not uh, you know mutual by any means. Uh, yeah. But but the sister is aware of it. Like that's the whole beat at the end that that causes her own death as she's shooting at him, and it's just like, well, just fuck me already. Like you won't let anyone else have me. The way you look at me, the way you treat me, it's just like. Yeah, you know, is it a possession thing that Tony wants everything? You know, he kills he kills Manny, his best friend, over the he fact that he's, know. you know, uh, Manny, who is, you know, if we if we want to take a sideline from the incestual stuff for one second yeah. to talk about how um, are you going to talk about his wine shirt? No, Stephen Bauer, the actor playing Manny, is actually the only actor in the lead cast who's actually Cuban in the movie. Um, no. If you want to talk about like cultural cultural uh, appropriation, slipped so accents and like really bizarre. Yeah, and and they wanted John Travolta for that part. Oh my god! I was thinking that he was like a low rent John Travolta the whole time. Yeah, it's but like, uh, the look is so similar. Um, but then, yeah, then but the only person who's actually the right race for the movie and the story is that actor, and everyone else is just doing. Uh, uh, an accent, and you know, PG were on point. I don't know. Sure, um, sure. I'm talking about the main cast. People who awful. people who spoke. <laughs> awful, awful. Yeah, I mean, I think that was par for the course for a very long time. And oh, yeah, for sure. People used to give awards out for that kind of shit. Oh my god, yeah, a lot of them. A lot of them. It's uh, oh, yeah, and. His, he was the only one that was really just like, maybe we can have a good time sometimes, you know, like let's he And he stuck by him no matter how weird he was getting. It's really sad. Yeah. I was legitimately sad. I was like, obviously that's why he disappeared was that he was running off with his sister. I just, ah. Yeah. Manny, Manny's like probably the only redeeming character in the movie. Sister was okay too. Yeah, you think because she was taking his money and like she was complacent anyway, right? Uh, I mean, the sister by so he worked for him. That's true. Uh, the sister by a half measure for sure. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. If Manny's if Manny's gets off that way, then the sister does too. You're 100 percent right. Yeah. Um, I do remember though at the very start of the film when he goes to see his mom and his sister like off the top. I did, the hug there was very odd. Like the hands were too low, like around her waist and he was like holding it for too long. And I remember being uncomfortable in that moment without knowing that there was going to be. So they did a good job there, I think. And you know, it's funny, like because, like I said, it has been, you know, 15, 20 years since I've seen this. I actually forgot in that moment that I'm like, is that his sister? Is he like, is he... Is he already married with somebody? And for a second, I forgot that because of the nature of how he treated her and looked at her. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, oh, right. It took, me, it took me a beat to remember that it was actually his sister. And then I was like, oh, right, that storyline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the end there, the like, I mean, nobody dressed her at any point. She's been topless for at least an hour. Just like topless in the same outfit that um, she just saw her husband die in. It's a, 
She's had a tough day. She's had a real tough day. I also love that moment. Like, there's not a lot of funny stuff in this film. Like, I'm, you know, there's something about that kind of like rise to power where I, I want it to be good fellas or something. Um, but there's not a lot funny other than other than the two henchmen coming in and being like, she's coming around. I think she's gonna be okay. I was like, that woman is never gonna be okay. No. Rude to say so. <laughs> you're setting expectations way too high. Yeah. You're not letting let her advocate for herself <laughs> as she comes in and shoots up her brother. Yeah. Uh what else about this movie? There's so it's an interesting because it's so the original. I mean, it's based on a book, but it's also like loosely based on Al Capone. the The 1930s film by Howard Hawks is is uh, is based on Capone, but then and then it, I guess it was Sidney Lumet's idea when they wanted to remake it to because they originally were just going to remake it and do it as a period piece. But Sidney, oh. but Sidney Lumet was like, why don't you just like update it and use like the Cuban stuff? And it was his idea and how to modernize it, um, which then Oliver Stone took and ran with with the screenplay. Right. So it's it's this weird like multi voice of all these like heavy hitters from the from the eighties and before with Sidney Lumet and Oliver Stone and and De Palma directing it. But it is such like you said, it's so funny though, when you when you think about like the 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 broness of this movie and just how that became such a thing that it's just like like it's it's he's such a a terrible character in the end and in the day that there's nothing like what is it that makes you want to have his poster on your wall like and i mean we can get into the whole like you know movies like these that glorifies gun violence and 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 uh you know that kind of stuff I don't, I don't really think, you know, none of the guys that were taking, you know, engineering at the University of Guelph are going to go shoot anybody up, you know, no. and I don't, I don't really buy the, the um, guns, gun violence in films creates gun violence elsewhere. Um, especially if you're like watching well-crafted films that like, clearly that's the bad guy. Um, although again, you're right, this poster, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. Maybe it's because it seems like he has everything. I don't know. Well, that's what it is. It's it's excess. It's like, I want to be, it's like, you want to be as cool as Tony Montana, who doesn't, you know, doesn't listen to anybody. doesn't follow the rules. Uh, Gets the the girl, has the coolest guns, has all these really good buddies that are with them all the time. Like if there's, there's a certain point where if you don't watch the end of the film, where he's like, <laughs> if the movie stopped time. halfway through at the, the length of a regular movie, because that's my, you know, the re, the only reason I know that that that's not how all of these dudes have watched it is because they say, say hello to my little friend, which is at the end of the film, because I've been waiting for it for this entire movie. Um, and I was like, well, I guess they've seen the ending because part of me was like, well, it's a pretty long movie. Maybe they quit at the <laughs> money counting montage. <laughs> And like, just didn't get it. Like that, yeah. It's like that felt, felt like the ending. What could possibly happen after that? <laughs> but you know, he does have that moment where he in the in the uh, dinner where he's upset his wife um, and is like, "Who wants to live to be these old people? Is that what I'm working for?" 
Like, oh yeah, when he he just walks around that room and just and yeah, just like, holds court. Bad guy, you love this is the bad guy. You like to point fingers at me. I'm a little drunk, and you need me. He does this amazing thing, Pacino, at the end of that scene where they just kind of linger on him, and he kind of walks, goes to walk out, and he circles back around. <laughs> and like his high slash drunk acting there is pretty fantastic. Yeah. Just that idea of that person who's like, oh, someone take him home. <laughs> someone <laughs> just take him home and lay him down. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a good chunk of, again, the second half of the film that it's like, oh, you know, the first assassination attempt is already he's like in his cups. You know what I mean? He's become that like unlovely creature that, takes over when you're in addiction and you're like, um, and my husband taught, my husband couldn't watch the rest of it with me. He hasn't seen it in years and was just like, honestly, he's so obnoxious. I can't do it. <laughs> um, I love you very much, but I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. It's such a big, well, it's, uh, you watch it now and it's, it's, uh, I mean, you had kind of like teed it up as being worried about that. And it, and it definitely does like, it's so melodramatic now. Right. And it probably was at the time. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, but I I don't think that it's always fair to judge some of that stuff. Like, you know, I'm sure that if I were showing some young folks Hitchcock, they'd be like, well, I've seen that. I don't know that's I don't know that's how it's gonna go, or like I know whatever. Um I think it's fair to like let it have its due that in its time it was like this massive. Oh, operatic. Um, Operatic film, you know. Um, And just because it's been parodied and copied and idolized and stuff, I think, you know, I can't watch it without that lens of all of the films I've seen since. Yeah. Oh, God. Speaking of parodies, if you haven't seen it yet, when you're done this, go on YouTube and type in Scarface School Play. There was this thing that went around like almost 10 years ago, it must have been on YouTube, where I'm pretty sh- sure it came out as it being fake, but it's like like a school play with with very young children doing Scarface <laughs> on YouTube, but, but it's shot as if it's from parents' cameras. It's so well done as a fake. That's cute. That's like the best sounding uh, found footage proposition I've heard in a long time. It's pretty great. And it's, yeah, I'm sure if you Google it on YouTube, it'll come up. But I remember, like, I remember the day it started going viral, just being like, this, please be real. Oh, this is real. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so, it's definitely inappropriate. He wants a kid and family. So it's so interesting that, like, the thing that he actually wants is, like, his family together. He wants to be able to provide for everybody. He wants to have children with his wife. He really cares about family. And then, but he never gets and or loses all of those things. But it's also, it's, it's so funny because it's, he, he wants all those things, but not seemingly, because he could have easily had any, all of those things. He could yeah. have easily, if he had just been like, well, clearly she was not the person She's mm-hmm. not. She's not gonna be a mom. Like, mm-hmm. it's just. Just look at her. Look at the, her values. Look at all the things she wants. That's not. You picked the wrong. Partner. Look how easily she fits into that dress. There's no way that hips like that are gonna push out a baby. 
Yeah, or want to, you know. So it's like yeah. you pick. Well, why did you pick her if that's what you really wanted? You know, yeah. why did you? You don't need that giant fucking mansion uh, if for to have a family. You're taking care of everyone. Everything monogrammed in that whole thing. Like, I think there has to be some like love for the production designer. Oh. Uh, the um the mirrors everywhere are so well used and are obviously kind of on swivels or whatever so that you can get his his talk with the um the agent where they're each in each other's ears like beautiful um it's so beautifully shot like there's nothing really wrong with any of the the choices that they make for camera moves or or to um you know using camera to push feeling and story all of that stuff is well done yeah, it's so well made the, the, the production design is off the hook especially his house like yeah. just his office yeah going uh, straight into his office where you're like oh you have a golf phase this is cool it's really all black marble that's a lot um, <laughs> um the tvs all the way through the bar tv around his um bathtub the TV that is a picture frame um, at Sosa's house. That TV like, is amazing. I immediately wanted it. Yeah. I, uh, I was in a house in the Cayman Islands that we kept on calling the Scarface house. It reminded us of that. Uh, it was almost, it was too big for us to shoot in. We we're just like, we can't like this. Oh my God. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I've been in, that's always the weird thing when you're like going on location to shoot stuff and you're like, there's some mansions and stuff that I've been in where it was like, I know our production didn't pay you enough to be here. Why are you so weird? Why are there other people living here? Like it's an apartment. Why do you have so many, like very odd. There's some weird rich people out there. We had one person who let us into their home and gave us the most amazing tour. They they made baked goods for us or had one of their people make them for us. But then clearly had no intention of renting it out. It's like, oh, you're just a, a lonely rich person who wanted company for the afternoon. But were the baked goods delicious? They were. And I indulged even though I knew there was probably some like animal product in there and i felt sick afterwards and i knew oh, i was going to didn't, yeah. it didn't go well for me because i wanted to be nice i wanted to be nice because you're also the weird part about location scouts too is that you're still like in a bizarre um business interaction with people where you're like oh yes yeah, this lovely home but like secretly you're whispering to your production designer and you're like this is a fucking hole like let's get out of here yeah <laughs> Or you like really want that space and you're half planning shots, but you don't want to be too excited because people still have to like exchange agreements and funds. So you do gotta all the things. The cupcake, man, you got to eat the cupcake. Got to eat the cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when she's like, you're the director. Oh, these are for you. I'm like, oh. And she's like, how are, try them. I'm like, oh, oh God, I'm not going to, I got to play this game. Oh no. How but, long have uh, you been vegan now? Uh, I've been vegan for almost two years, two and a half, something like that. I've been, uh, pe- I was pescatarian before that for over a decade. Yeah. So it's a long, slow, uh, slippery slope in, in, into it. But it was funny, like, I never, like, uh, I kind of accidentally became a vegan in the sense that it's like, it was six months after I realized I hadn't had any animal products because I just hadn't. Um mm-hmm. 
And then I had something like a cookie with butter in it and it made me throw up because my body wasn't used to like that amount of butter. It was like one of those Le Grimond cookies that I'm making. Oh, yeah. yeah, you know those. There's like half a stick of butter in each one. So good. <laughs> but I was literally on the, and I was like, why am I, what did I get sick from? And then I did the math and I was like, oh God, that's the first time I had dairy in like, and such a, a harsh amount of it in, in, in a way. And so I kind of just realized, oh, that made me feel really crappy. Oh, and also I didn't have it for a long time. I can probably just keep doing that. Yeah, you, like, you don't have to. There's so many dairy alternatives at this point. Like, Yeah, it, it has not been hard. Nuts. No, 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 no. I was vegan for like seven years and it's easier now even than it was a few years ago when I was doing it. So easy. Even traveling, even traveling is easy. I actually found traveling was easier because most places that aren't in standard North American diet have a ton of stuff that are just like, yeah, we have beans and rice with every meal. What are you, an idiot? Yeah. You know, like, why wouldn't you have that? <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, as long as you are okay with like, not the fanciest of meals sometimes, even like just yeah. traveling home, I was just like, if I can, if there's a Wendy's there, I can get a baked potato and just tell them not to put anything on it. And that'll yeah. at least keep me full while I'm in an airport, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You learn all of those hacks real quick, for sure. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, so any final thoughts on, on Scarface? <sighs> I'm glad that I've seen it. I think that um, there were a bunch of quotes that I knew that I didn't know was from that movie. Like, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the women. Didn't know that was from that. Okay. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a big sucker for production design and beautifully shot things, you know? And even when the film isn't holding my attention, the other stuff does, including Bad BG. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do I ever need to see it again? No. Do I need yeah. to, like, seek out a director's cut? Absolutely not. Would I put up the poster in my dorm room? Also, no. I can't imagine there's a director's cut of this that's longer. I'm sure I there is. So. Oh, God. What when, are I, you? when I told Alistair, I was like, we're watching Scarface. He's like, so you're going to, you're both directors. You're going to watch the director's cut? I was like, oh, I heard it was a very long movie. How could, like, what did he leave? What, what did he cut out? That, like, what, what are we missing from this story? That is actually fully, those are all full scenes in between the money counting. Oh God, can you imagine? Just but, but that's just it for me. It's just like to, to your point where it's like, yeah, I saw this movie, you know, 15, 20 years ago, never revisited it, and rewatching this time, I'm like, yeah, that's why. It's because I got everything I needed out of the first time around. It's very it's 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 enjoyable in so many ways, but it's also very surface. You know, there's yeah, not there's it's, no nuance to catch something new on the next watch. I think the things that I would catch would be like, oh, what an interesting finish on those banisters. Ooh, like that's if I were to watch it again, it would be entirely for that. And I could fast forward through most of it. You know, I don't think, um, yeah, there is no nuance to it. It is like a, a hammer. That's a, and that's how he approached the whole world. Right. He's like, I'm just going to be a very blunt forced object and I'm just going to power my way through and everyone's going to see that I'm a hammer. I'm going to tell them I'm a hammer. I'm going to do it anyway. And it was just three hours of that hammer going. Yeah. And that's a lot of hammer. <laughs> and sometimes he was hammered. <laughs> True. Oh, nice. 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 
<laughs> oh, it is past my bedtime. Well, I'm well. Thank you for staying up late with me. I'm so happy that I did. I've been, we've been meaning to connect to do this for a long time. You've asked me to do it, and I'm so glad that it finally worked out. Yeah, we'll do another one at some point too. Okay, that would be great. Well, thank you so much for joining me for Scarface. Yay! Okay. Well, um, yeah, that was fun. That's it. Let's all go to the lobby. Thanks for joining us for Scarface. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at LonJeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. To get ourselves a treat.